Hey friends, the pain of broken marriage runs very deep, and we can find ourselves turning our despairing thoughts over and over in our minds. It's typical to struggle with sleep, to have a hard time thinking clearly, and we might find it difficult to do normal tasks or enjoy things that we would usually enjoy. What do we do with all this sorrow that seems to fill us up to the brim? Today, we're going to be talking about the practice of biblical lament, how we can bring our grief and our pain to the Lord, and the blessing that results when we unburden ourselves to Him. Hello and welcome to Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood. Are you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and longing for a safe community of believers? Do you sit up at night googling how to work and homeschool at the same time, or Bible verses on anxiety? Do you wish for a Titus II older woman to help you navigate this lonely parenting path? I'm Sarah, a veteran homeschooling mom daughter of Christ, and no stranger to broken marriage. I know the heavy burden of shouldering a family alone. I only wanted to raise my children to love Jesus Christ, but I watched as my family crumbled in front of me. I didn't know who I could trust, but God provided the healing and discipleship I needed through mentors who spent years faithfully applying His Word to my heart like ointment to wounds. My desire is to use this podcast to share what I've learned, what I'm still learning. My prayer is that you'll be pointed to Christ, learn to forgive, find freedom from fear, and learn that we have a God who can be trusted. Make sure your earbuds are charged and grab your Bible. Let's walk this path together. Hey friends, today we have a special guest joining us, Ryan Higginbottom, who blogs over at asmallwork.wordpress.com. His day job is teaching mathematics at Washington and Jefferson College in Pennsylvania. And in addition to loving and serving his wife and two daughters, he has a vision to help people be better thinkers and especially to think biblically. He's been a member and small group leader at Washington Presbyterian Church for many years, and we're thrilled to have him with us today. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be with you. So, Ryan, our discussion today is about coping with the pain of divorce and broken marriage and the unexpected blessings of biblical lament. Why don't you tell us what got you interested in biblical lament to begin with? Sure. I am a reader. And a number of years ago, I think this was 
end of 2019, beginning of 2020, I started to see a lot of people uh, recommend this book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogop. And they had nothing but just overflowing, wonderful things to say about this book. And so I picked it up and then I was also one of those people that had nothing but overflowing uh, good things to say about the book. And that book, um, especially the first third of it, um, I would really commend to your, to your listeners and uh, they'll, if they read it, they will see a lot of the conversation we are about to have is, uh, is based on that. Um, but it, he just talks through from his own uh, place of um, sorrow and grief over the loss of a, um, a, a stillborn child, um, how he came to think about and learn a lot about lament. And I just saw it as a, as a place that the, especially the American church really has a weakness. Um, we, we are not very comfortable with talking about grief and sorrow. This leads to a lot of people bottling up their grief and sorrow, not feeling like it is a safe thing to share with other people. And so that started the snowball rolling for me. And I've been thinking about lament pretty deeply ever since in, in, you know, of course, 2020 was, I guess the right year to start thinking about lament, uh, as, yeah. a, as the, as the pandemic kind of exploded. Um, but, but also, so 2020 brought together a, a number of things, uh, the pandemic, um, the election was pretty, uh, tumultuous in, in my neck of the woods. And, um, uh, also we our our church went through, uh, our, our senior pastor um, was called to another place. It was a totally, you know, amicable uh, separation, but it was still hard. It was a, it was, yes. um, it was, it was sad. And we're looking for a new pastor and all that sort of thing. So a lot of these things made me think about it more than I might normally have if I were just reading a book normally. Okay. Okay. So from your perspective, keeping in mind that our listeners have experienced a great deal of grief and a great deal of pain, typically as single mothers, what would you say the greatest benefit of biblical lament is? I think the greatest benefit is um, understanding that God is not only okay with our grief and our sorrow, but that he, he knows all about it. And he wants us to bring it to him. Um, I, I think that I've, I already said that I, you know, we are not good as Americans with hearing other people's sorrow, uh, their pain. Um, and even if we, even people that, that often seem sympathetic at first, if you go past two sentences, um, they might try to paper over it with a, you know, they might throw Romans 8.28 at you, mm-hmm. or they might try to point out all the good things that God might bring out of it, which of course is totally true. But that might not be the most helpful thing to hear when you're sharing about something like um, a spouse being unfaithful or, right. you know, a, a, a marriage uh, dissolving or or the death of, of a, a loved one. Um, so... Uh, I, I think the fact that God, the God, uh, th- there are whole, there's a whole book of the Bible. <laughs> there are, you know, so lamentations and there's about a third of the Psalms that are, that have something to do with lament in one way or another. Um, and the fact that these were part of the worship of God, these are, these are not just there for 
our personal devotions or our personal benefit, but these were part of how God's people worshiped him. Mm -hmm. That really opened up a lot to me about who God is. And so I think anytime we learn or we're reminded more about who God is and especially about his faithfulness and his steadfastness and his love for us, he's not, he's not oblivious to our pain. Mm. Uh, That's one of the, the, the greatest truths of the incarnation. Jesus came and experienced all of this pain um, so that he could, so so that he, we would have a high priest like us. Uh, So I think one of the biggest benefits of lament is just understanding that, that God does not, when, when we pray, God does not want us to come up with this flowery language and we don't need to sound like a church person. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to sound like a liturgy that's been written. Um, but th- there are, there are real, like very honest, very raw, in fact, very uncomfortable prayers in the Bible. Um, and, and actually, and learning about lament has helped me make some sense of those and, and incorporate that into my own praying and that of hopefully, hopefully that of my church as well. Right. So it's okay to be honest with God about our pain and just be raw and you know, show up with our brokenness in prayer. Yes. And that, and God would much prefer that to, um, to any, any, any pretense that we would bring. I, I, and I, and in addition to being honest, I think one thing that I have learned is that when I, when I pray, I don't have to have, it's okay to ask God questions and I don't have to have the answers to those questions. Mm. I don't, I don't, I mean, God may answer in the moment that we are praying, you know, the, the spirit may, may give us memories of scripture or counsel from other people that is biblical. And he might answer our prayers in those ways, but he might not. And mm-hmm. um, we studied Lamentations in my small group after I started to uh, read this book, after I finished Mark Vergop's book. And um, there's so much in there that is just, there is tension in these prayers of lament that is unresolved. Mm. And that makes us uncomfortable. But we have to say, these are biblical prayers. God is okay with that. And like you, like you said, it's not just that God okay, is okay with it. He invites us to that. Mm. He wants us to be honest and with our brokenness. He, of course, he knows about it. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to pretend that he doesn't or that, um, you know, <laughs> Romans 8, 28 says, God causes all things to work together for good. Not that all things are good, but that he works things together. That's how loving and sovereign he is. But that doesn't mean that he calls everything good because he doesn't. And it's, it's really okay to acknowledge that this, this thing that's happening in my life, this, this brokenness, this alienation from people that I loved, this vision of what I thought my life was going to look like that now there's no chance it's going to look like that. Um, that, that stinks. Uh, that, that, that is really hard. That is not how the world should be. And pouring that specific thing out to God, it's not just okay. That is exactly what he wants. So here's a question. Do you think that one of related to what we talked about earlier, one of the things that keeps us from biblical lament is an expectation that everything in this life 
is going to be resolved or that we're going to somehow understand the meaning behind it in this age, in this life. Um, I know that's an unreasonable expectation, but I really think as Christians, we have that expectation that, you know, if some wrong has been done to us, we're going to be vindicated or some, you know, terrible thing that seems meaningless happens to us that we're going to somehow find out in this life why it happened. Do you think those wrong expectations prevent us from coming to God with our laments? I think you stated that really well. Yes, I, I, I agree with you. I think that there's also related to that. <laughs> there's also a, a little bit of a prosperity gospel that we believe when we think, okay, this tragedy has happened to me. <clears throat> if I am, if I am faithful enough, if I, if I study the Bible enough, yes. if I am plugged into my church enough, uh, then I will actually eventually understand why Yeah, I will understand why God put me through this, why he brought it to pass, why he allowed it. Um, and God just does not make those promises to us. I think we dare not claim promises that God has not given. We need to be really, really careful about believing, trusting God to keep promises that he has not given to us. And I think that there will be understanding for us eventually, but that may not be until the new heavens and the new earth. Right. And, uh, and that will be glorious. And, and all of, all of God's promises, all of his good things will be uh, because, because of Jesus reigning on the throne in fullness over all creation at that time, uh, that, that will be all wrapped up. We will have, we will understand it. We will see what God has done in some way that we don't now, but that, but God hasn't promised that, you know, after you go through divorce, that 10 years, 20 years of faithfulness of, um, of suffering, of sorrow that, that then God will see, will show you why he might. And he would be gracious to do that, but he might not. And sure. um, that's okay. Now, here's another question. When we come to God in prayer and we bring our sorrows and our laments to him, does God take away the pain? Does God take away the pain when we ask him to, or is there another dynamic there? Uh, I don't think he takes away the pain, um, mm. but he shares it. <clears throat> the, this is again, going back to the incarnation, right? Jesus walked in a real body among us. He suffered real sorrow, the sorrow of betrayal, the sorrow of abandonment, the sorrow, uh, in addition to all of the physical sorrows that he, that he felt, um, and, you know, Hebrew says that he was tempted in every way that we are, but without sin, which means that in his betrayal and in his abandonment and in his physical suffering, he was tempted to not trust God. He was tempted to walk away in some way, or he was tempted to think that God was not good uh, because, because we're tempted in those ways, right? God, he was tempted right. in every way that we are, but without sin. So every time that we are faced with, faced with one of those things that we can identify as a temptation to be unfaithful, Jesus suffered that and mm -hmm. he obeyed. He said, he said, no, where we are tempted to say yes. But that means that when we seek him in prayer, 
he can give us through the spirit. He can give us the same. He, he shared the spirit that we share, right? It's his spirit. So he can give us all that we need to resist. And he also gives us grace when we don't. Um, we do not need to be perfect people in order to receive his grace and to come to him with our sorrow. Um, yeah, Jesus, Jesus being a real, he is still right now on the throne at the right hand of the father. He has a body, right? He, he is, he is a human. Um, and, uh, that, that is, that, that should offer us, uh, a lot of comfort. Yes. So in your mind, how would you say biblical lament has changed your life? What are some of the blessings that you've received from understanding and applying lament? The biggest, so I'll, I'll talk about this in, in kind of a category with, with a couple of answers. So the biggest thing that I have seen is that there is a category of feelings that Christians have, that people have in general, that, that, uh, that I now have a way to talk about and listen to and express that I didn't before. So in my, in my praying with God, I don't shy, I don't shy away from complaining, uh, asking God why he's doing certain things, um, asking him why this, why I'm feeling something that hurts or why I have caused somebody to hurt, right? It's not just, it's not just one way, um, but also, so that, that's a huge blessing that, that my prayer life has opened up in ways that it was not open before. But also I have found myself a better listener, a better, not, not perfect, but a better listener, a better neighbor. Um, one of my, one of my good friends at church, uh, this was maybe three or four months after I started thinking about this a lot more, he and his wife uh, suffered a miscarriage. And, um, and he told me about it at a point where he, they, they weren't telling everybody at this point. And he told me about it. And without thinking about it, the words that came out of my mouth were, uh, my wife and I are going to lament for you. And he looked at me, you know, that is not a common way to, to look at people, but, it, but, something God, God did something in him and in me, uh, where a week later he was thinking about it and said how much that had, that had meant to him. But I have found this to be true with people in my church, with with, with, uh, just my neighbors, you know, my coworkers that I can, I, I don't, I don't dismiss or paper over their sorrow anymore. I really acknowledge that they have, suffered, they are suffering, they are going through something hard physically, emotionally, um, that there is great potential for sadness in the world, great potential for sadness in the world. Uh, that does not make me, I hope that does not make me a depressing person to be around or a downer to be around because I think that the only, the only path through the only path to real hope is through that acknowledgement of what is real. Because if, if otherwise, what we have in, in front of us for hope is false. Um, Jesus went through suffering and 
death and burial before his resurrection and ascension. That is the pattern for us as well, not just physically, but that spiritual arc is that same, that same thing for us. Um, the path to hope is often through suffering. I know that your listeners probably are experiencing that in a more acute way than a lot of the people that they talk to just in their lives. But that, that might mean that they have a greater taste for hope than other people do. Their appetite for hope uh, has been wet in ways that others have not because they see more acutely how all how many things are broken, how, how just drastically things can fall apart and how painful uh, that can be. So they know what they know better, what it's going to be like when those are put back together or, or when things are made whole in the new heavens and the new earth. There's a, there's a man at my church who has had debilitating headaches for, for decades. And, uh, he is one of my favorite parts of our church and he's not able to come every week because he, he is often not, not well enough to, but every time we have communion, he comes. And I remember one day when, uh, early in our time at the church, I was talking to him and I said, uh, his name is Frank. I said, Frank, you must have such a hope in the, in, in having a new body, right? God, God's going to give you a new body. You must have such hope for that. And he looked at me and he said with, you know, he, he kind of got a little teary and he said, I think about that every day. Mm. And, I, and I didn't have the language for lament at that point, <laughs> but, but that's, that's, he was understanding that hope really the, the end point of lament is hope. Um, and, and he had it. And that's what, that's what I'm working forward toward as well. So I just want to kind of say back to you what I'm hearing, what lament does for us is not to take away the pain, but to help us hang our hope more heavily and more wholly on Jesus Christ and our eternal salvation in him. That's right. Yeah. And, the, sorry. And that's a gift. I mean, that's a huge gift. I, how often do we consider suffering to be a gift? Right. We, we never do yeah. <laughs> in, in our flesh. We, we absolutely never do, but Paul certainly did. Uh, Paul considered it a, a gift as, as the things that are extraneous are stripped away. We have to trust the Lord more. We have mm. to lean on him more when we, the steps that we were taking that were built on uh, just falseness or just, or just something that was an artifice of the world. When those are taken away, uh, our steps have to be on, uh, on the foundation of Jesus. And, uh, there's no other, there's no other choice. Um, and so it is a gift in that sense. Absolutely. Wow. Well, Ryan, this has been a really edifying discussion. Um, I look forward to continuing it in our next episode when we're going to be walking through with you the process of lament and how do we as believers, believers who suffer, um, apply these principles to our lives. So I just want to thank you once again for being with us and we'll talk again shortly. Sounds great, Sarah. Thanks. If you've been uplifted in any way by this podcast, 
it would mean so much if you'd not only subscribe, but leave a written review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for a community of like-minded, believing women on the same path as you, consider joining our Facebook group. A link is in the show notes. Until next time, remember, we have a God who can be trusted.